Hello, loyal podcast listeners, all five of you. Big news here. Got to post a podcast we recorded many, many, many months ago. A lot's happened in the last six months. Hopefully, we can get to that more. But it is currently December 29th, 2020. This podcast was probably recorded in March or April, maybe May last year, maybe March. And so. Here's this, and keep an eye out for the next one. Lots of big news. I don't know if I quite said this last podcast. When Hercules stumbles into the temple, Zeus whirls to life. He says, Herc, my boy! Or something like that. So in this case, we'll say, Simeon, my boy! And then we'll give him a little poofy horse named Pegasus, and that will be great. That was beautiful imagery. <laughs> Dear Simeon, if you're listening to this, it means mom and dad got married, fell even more deeply in love, and had you. And so, we made this podcast. One for each year of your life. To let you in on what life was like before you. And hopefully give you some valuable insights along the way. Alright, so... Big year two for our dear boy, Simeon. Woo! Year two is going to be a big year. Lots of surprises for today's podcast. Christine doesn't know too much what's happening. I don't know anything that's happening. There's a special story time segment, which I kind of want to be the theme for today. And let's just see if Christine could guess, if she were to take wax at it, what does she think the story time for today might be? The story time for today? Theme is a two-year-old. Hmm... Something that happened maybe when you were two? Embarrassing stories? I honestly have no idea. No, from the Bible, I mean. Oh, mm, you got me. Okay, that'll remain a surprise. <laughs> so right now, we're looking at imaginary, theoretical, hypomagetical Simeon. I don't know if you want to imagine you're carrying him, he's walking, is he toddling at this point in time? Christine, what do you think life with a two-year-old would be like? Ooh, by the time they're two, they're really mobile. Run around, they're talking, they are growing their personalities. So just a lot of good stuff, but a lot is new. I feel like with two-year-olds, they learn something new every day. Or they learn to walk a little faster, or jump, or say something new. So I guess kind of goes along with your surprises theme. It's a lot of surprises. Yes, a lot of surprises. Why do you keep saying surprises? Because you could put it on pancakes. <laughs> syrup? As opposed to a syrup prize, which is a prize of syrup if you win a local lumberjack <laughs> So, my hope for baby Simeon is by this point in time, Simeon, you will hopefully know us more as parents. At some point in time, the first the M word or the D word might come out. Mom and or father. Better be mom. Hopefully, you'll know our voices by then. You'll know our no's. You'll say, I know when mom or dad is going to tell me no to that or that. So I'm going to behave. Oh, I bet you meant no's as in what you sniff with. Well, that too. <laughs> Lots of Eskimo kisses in this family. And hopefully, Simeon will know our love. So what, what do you think it would mean, Christine, for a two-year-old to know what it means to be loved? Is it possible for a two-year-old to know what it means to be loved? Ooh, yeah. I think it definitely is. I think it can be shown in how 
kids react to their parents, how they interact with them, play with them. You know, do kids see their parents as a playmate, as someone full of hugs and kisses and comfort when they're sad or when they have a boo-boo? I think that is love. I think that's how two-year-olds know love is they know safety. So what is the greatest safety we can be afforded? Mm, God's love. Band-aids! Those two. Just kidding. God's love. <laughs> yeah, I think for us to be able to show love to this child means that it's something from outside of us that only Jesus can provide. So what would you say would be one of your favorite memories that you would like to make with a two-year-old? Mm, lots of walks and trips to the park. The zoo. Crafts. Arts and crafts. Lots of good memories for a little little two-year-old dibbin. But there's also bad news, or at least not so pleasant news. What do you think that might be? I don't know. So the bad news rhymes with bad news, ends with twos. Terrible twos? Yes, good job. I think with a lot of fun memories, a lot of beep bopping around, a lot of hopping and jumping and skipping and bopping and twisting and flicking it. Yeah, wow, I'm exhausted. With all of those things comes the terrible twos. What in your mind, Christine, does the terrible twos consist of? I feel like there's a lot of things that start to change with how much the child is able to do, what they should be allowed to do, toys they should play with, foods. I feel like twos is a lot of cutting up food into really small bites. Because <laughs> no child can eat an entire T-bone by themselves. Right, you gotta help them out. But you're kind of letting them start to have a little freedom. And what happens with freedom? Mm, babies get hurt. They have the freedom to go a little bit farther on the playground without mom right next to them, and they fall. Or... How does the mother react to that? How would you react if your little baby wandered off too far? I feel like, naturally, mothers are a bit more hesitant to be freedom-giving, especially the first times, maybe. Especially with the first child, I feel... Like, a lot of couples are very hesitant to, I don't know, try those new things for fear out of what could happen, which I feel like I will fall into. And so the question of the day is, what is the word of the year? What is a two-year-old's favorite word? No. No what? I didn't say anything. <laughs> no, that's the two-year-old's favorite word. No. I feel like they... They <laughs> they gleam this power to understand no, and they try to use it for themselves rather than the parents saying no. So, for instance, it could be the mother says, no, don't walk on that pointy, sharp, dangerous, knifey thing at the jungle gym. Which hopefully those don't really exist. <laughs> and then what a jungle gym is It's like the chokey from Matilda. <laughs> Quite a dramatic rendition of what was going through my mind, but yes, accurate. Okay. So what is, you mentioned the power of no. What is the, quote, power of no, unquote? Hmm. I think the power of no is in what surrounds it or what circumstances are within it. Because if you're a parent and you say, and your child is doing X and you say, no, don't do X, and then they keep doing it and there's no consequences and nothing changes, the no loses power because it, it means nothing. So if a parent's no means nothing, that gives the child that power for their no to mean something. 
So do you think no has a good power or a bad power? Negatively or positively connotative? Negatively, because it usually amounts to the loss of something or inability to do something. What if you're taking away drugs or a knife? I mean, then that's a good thing because ultimately... Or alcohol. The end is positive. Yeah, I, I do think no can be good or bad. There are good no's. No, that's actually not what's best for you, which I think is part of a two-year-old's life is probably in some ways where the terrible comes up is it's an adverse side effect or an adverse reaction to being told they don't have all the freedom in the world. Mm-hmm. That there are things that are actually not the best for them. And I think in those no's is where trust is developed at some point in time that the parents do have their best interest in mind. And I'll go so far as to even say, in many cases, I think parents never quite get to the level where they are able to really love their child by willing their good because they don't know the good. And so children in turn are sort of numbed to the nose. And that's what they say is rules without relationship leads to rebellion. Relationship without rules leads to something else that starts with an R. I think on the other hand, no's can be negative. You can say, no, I reject this, no, I reject this, no, I reject this. And, Christine, you nailed the Latin section of the podcast last time. So today's Latin is non serviam. Do you know who says that? Mm-mm. So it might be extra biblical. But non serviam is the response of the fallen angels, particular Lucifer, mm. the light bearer, to God. And you know what non-servium means? I will not serve you? No, I will not serve. Mm. And that's again what what the angels say. is They say, I will not serve. God, I will not bow down to you. God, I will not acquiesce. I do not deign to acquiesce to your request, in the words of Elizabeth Swan mm. from the Pirates of the Caribbean. Wow, that's beautiful. And in those no's, in that non-servium, I think a two-year-old begins to wrestle with their own freedom. They all of a sudden say, here's what I've known is this person has powdered my butt, this person has (laughs) changed my diaper, this person has fed me by bottle or other means. Everything I have has been provided by them, Mm -hmm. but now I actually have the freedom to embrace my freedom, even if that means saying no in a radical way to the thing that's going to be best for me. But... I think it's time for story time. Great. So do you know what the Bible verse is yet? No. No. So no is a good hint. In the same way <laughs> a two-year-old loves the word no, there's also going to be a no in our story today. So I will open up to Genesis chapter 3. Maybe we'll kick off with a little bit of chapter 2 here. And we're going to look at Adam and Eve. Where are you starting at? So Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2 verse 15. The Lord God took the man... And put him in the garden of Eden, to till it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may freely of every tree of the garden. So maybe for a two-year-old, that is, You can do whatever you want. You can build those block towers. You can knock them back down. You can wander anywhere you want, as long as you don't go past that baby gate there. Unless they have a screwdriver in their diaper. Screwdriver in their diaper. Tommy Pickles. Legendary baby extraordinaire. 
Man, he can open up any gate. It was incredible. So, you may freely of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day you eat of it, you shall die. And so then, there's some stuff about marriage, there's some stuff about a rib, there's some stuff about the exostasis, which is incredible. But what I really want to get to is Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 through 13. That's kind of a, a mouthful. And then verses 22 through 24. So I'll read this. Maybe we'll edit out selectively if after the fact I think we don't need it all. So, now the serpent was more subtle than any other wild creature that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God say, You shall not eat of any tree of the garden? And then the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden. But God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden. Neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, You will not die, for God knows when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate, and she also gave some to her husband, and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. So, what did you think of that passage, Christine? Um, I think every time that I hear commentary on that passage is just mind-blowing because there's so much in it. And I feel like it's such a story that we've heard so many times before. It can easily become too simple. Yeah, and so basically what we see happening here is... A pretty basic, big old, fat no. So how do you mm. think Adam and Eve say no to God? And do you think that's, from what we were talking about before, do you think that's a good example of a no? Do you think it's a bad example of a no? And I guess on the other hand, God gives Adam and Eve a no. Do you think that's a good no or that's a bad no? Well, God gives Adam and Eve all this life, all this freedom. You know, eat whatever you want. He makes a woman for a man to be partners. There's just a lot that's given to them, a lot of generosity. And the serpent comes in with this shadow, this doubt that they haven't been given enough or they don't really have all this freedom because of this one thing that they cannot do or should not do. You know, theoretically, they're just like hanging out in the garden living these beautiful lives, not even worried about this other tree or thinking about it because they are already encapsulated with the generosity and mercy of God. Right. I think there's a lot to this notion of we want what we can't have. Mm, yes. I mean, who knows? Did they actually want the fruit as delicious as it did look? Did they want it at all before they were told they couldn't have it before they were told by the serpent? i.e. the king of non-servium himself, Lucifer, Satan, the devil, the diabolos, the divider, did they, did they want it? And so this is pretty heavy for two-year-olds, I think. But I think ultimately we can see how this foreshadows. You think about, we talk a lot about angsty teenagers on this show. <laughs> you think about your average angsty 16-year-old sneaking out of her window to go see... Johnny Rocket down the street, whoever that is, 
maybe Auto Rocket, the legendary skateboarder from Pier 9 in probably California, the Baja region. Oh my goodness. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I forget actually where I was going with that. Oh, foreshadowing. This this great no, the power of no that's unlocked here, sticks with us from the time you're two. I think that sticks with you from the time you're 80, 90, 70, 60, 50, 40, 30, 20. But not when you're 27. Everything's perfect when you're 27. <laughs> of course. So maybe we can hop back into the scripture here. A couple more parts I wanted to read. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Christine, have you ever seen any young whippersnapper who's gotten in trouble hide themselves? Yeah, I think sometimes kids especially will hide themselves when they think or know they're in trouble. Even just in the sense of, okay, if they can't actually hide themselves, they hide their face. Or they look down, or when you're in shame, you look away. There's some natural avoidance, I guess, in that, in the shame and guilt. I once saw a kid stick his entire head in the sand. What? <laughs> his name was Ozzy. You're lying. No, I'm serious. No, you're not. Yes. His name was Ozzy Trich. Like an ostrich? <laughs> yeah. So bad. Oh, that officially marks the first time I ever laughed on this podcast. <laughs> that was at my own joke. <laughs> so they hide themselves from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord called to the man and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. He said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, The woman gave to be the woman you gave to be with me, she gave me fruit of the tree, and I ate. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this you have done? And the woman said, The serpent beguiled me, and I ate. And so mm. clearly a lot of the fi- a lot of finger pointing and blaming there. Yep. Have you ever seen anyone do that? I mean kids do that all the time. It wasn't me, it was Billy. Well, I did it because Sandy did this, and blah, 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 blah. Yeah, we can learn a lot about, like I said, the theology of a two-year-old, I think, is that we're broken, that we are complainers, that we're whiners, that we choose so many things that are not God. As our parents are trying to do what's best for us, we fight, and we complain, and we kick, and we scream, mm-hmm. and we still do that. You know, you're, yeah. you're what, 23 now? I'm 27. I'm 25. Oh, just kidding. She's 25. Um, I'll what? take that as a compliment, I think. And so as a, as a 25-year-old and a 27-year-old, we still do that. There's still so many areas where we react. We react with a big capital N, capital O, no, to God's calm, cool, collected no, God says, no, Cody, Christine, I don't want you to do this. In the same way, mom and dad says, no, two-year-old, I don't want you to have a screwdriver in your diaper that you're going to use to open the fence and go go on crazy adventures with your dog Spike and your friend Chucky Finster, your cousin. Yep, exactly. And so in the same way, they give a, a no. We give a no to God's no. God says, no, this is not what's best for you. I remember when I was in art class, 
from probably the time I was a second grader to the time I was a senior in high school, my art teacher would always say things like, no touchy, that paper cutter is a no touchy. Because what she didn't tell us is that if you play with that, you'll cut your finger off. Right. Maybe your whole hand. Uh, The kiln was a no touchy. The 3,000 degree kiln was a no touchy. What she didn't tell us is if you touch that, you will literally, literally start on fire. Wow. Yeah, whoever thought art class was so dangerous, but it really is. <laughs> so lots of no touchies. And so I'm, I'm prattling on, but we, we respond with negative no's to God's positive, loving no. Mm. And that's what sin is ultimately, right? Yeah. So let me ask you a question. Do you believe in original Love. sin? Do you believe in original sin? Yes. What is original sin? It's the brokenness of our lives as creations. Even creation as a whole. The brokenness after the fall of Adam and Eve. Our propensity to desire things that are not perfect, not of God, to be selfish and prideful. Right. I think as Father Mike Schmitz would say, he says, our sin that is deadly is when we say, God, I know what you want, but I don't care. I'm going to do what I want. Two-year-olds can be rambunctious, and so can we. So can we. Final thoughts here. I thought maybe we could talk about our run-ins with sin, nakedness, shame, etc. Dot. Here's all of the times you and I have said no to the Lord, whether that's been in the last year of our engagement, or whether it's been... At any point in time in our life. Here's all of the times we've said, again, God, I know what you want, but I don't care. I'm doing it anyway. And that's mm-hmm. where we we hide. We run in nakedness. I was thinking about one time when I was a small child at my old house. I was underneath my red bunk bed. I was underneath my red bunk bed, plastered with stickers. Literally hiding under there from my next door neighbor. And... At some point in time, she must, I have a distinct memory of this, like, woman looking, I love her, that's actually the woman we visited in the nursing home. Oh, she's so nice. Yeah. And I do, I don't know if this is the same memory, if it's a different one, but there was another one where apparently the neighbors got called because I was running around my front lawn naked, and that is... That was only just, you know, a few months ago. And so, a couple things I wanted to talk about. Final things. You know, I wanted to talk about your blog, the first blog I ever read. So we'll have to make a note to get to that eventually and how that speaks of, again, our brokenness, our sin, our shame. Mm-hmm. But maybe we'll end on a good note. Part of the passage we skipped is the Proto-Evangelion. So what is the Evangelion? Evangelism. So what is evangelism or evangelization? It's to spread the good news, bring others into discipleship. Yep. So Evangelion literally means the gospel or the good news. What is the good news? Jesus died for our sins. And? Rose from the dead. So that? We could be saved. Yeah, so that we might have life. So what does proto mean? Prototype, protozoa, not not the, the rapper beginning. from Zenon Car. Like the beginning or pre-beginning. Like the first. So a prototype is like the first type. Yeah. Proto-man is the first man. Protozoa is the first zoa. <laughs> so a proto-evangelion is what? The first evangelization. The first good news. The first signs of good news in the midst of all of this bad news, in the midst of all these terrible twos. The first good sign is that there will be an end to all of this. 
And so that's verse 15 in chapter 3. God says, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Here's this serpent, this diabolos, this divider, this satan, this obstacle, this Lucifer, this light bearer. And here's this woman. You know, Adam and Eve in their sin broke this relationship. But he says there will be a new woman who says yes, who steps on the head of the serpent. And her seed will be the one to basically crush the serpent. So the seed of the woman is Jesus. And so already in Genesis chapter 3 verse 15, about four verses after the fall, the beginning of the terrible twos, which seems to last for many people into the 22s and into the 92s, Mm. with all that being said, there is hope. There's hope that this podcast will end. And there's hope that we can turn to the Lord in a more radical way. Mm. And encourage others to do the same. I think that's it. It's bedtime. Or to end this where it started, we're going back to Pegasus, the horse from from Hercules. Do you have your phone on you? I can go the distance. I won't stare snow far. (laughs) So, in the words of Pegasus, the horse. 